Hello, everyone. Welcome to Your Place at the Table podcast. Uh, this is Jamie. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello, friends. And we're your hosts. And if you're new around here, we want you to know that we're dedicated to supporting women members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to take their place at the table, improving their contributions in their families, wards, and communities. Uh, we've been focusing on identifying assumptions that keep us stuck. We try to highlight truths that support our growth and explore some effective skills, all to support us in becoming more articulate, more creative, more courageous, and more empowered by our heavenly parents to do what we believe can only be done through the strength of their daughters. So you're in the right place, and we are glad that you're here. Yes, we are so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. And we're going to jump right in, pick up where we left off after our last episode, uh, talking about sitting with discomfort. Mm -hmm. Uh, We identified it as a personal skill that makes a significant difference in our ability to fully take our place at the table. And we talked about how sitting with discomfort is what leads us to the appropriate action rather than a reaction. And we also identified the two main areas where sitting with discomfort can cause us the most distress, which is in relationship and then also personally. Um, So today we're going to expand on this idea and see how we can learn some more from the Savior's example of how to navigate discomfort uh, in the scriptures. Uh-huh. Uh, but before we jump into that, Jamie, I want to hear what it was like for you thinking about sitting with discomfort and practicing that this week. Well, when I sit with discomfort, I sometimes go too far inside, um, seeing myself poorly mm. instead of just seeing the situation clearly. So when I noticed myself doing that this week, I worked on just sitting with the discomfort itself and not my interpretation of events. Um, And what I mean Mm. by that, I guess, is just even just saying inside my head, uh, I am just feeling uncomfortable about this. I'm just feeling it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let that feeling go through me and and just let it be there for a little bit. Um, I tried to to not just allow it to go crazy inside my head. Well, it's this or it's Mm -hmm. that or, or, you know, analyze and, and, or even place judgment, Mm. just allow that feeling to be there for a little bit. Okay. Before I started to decide what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So how about you, Jody? What does it look like for you to sit with discomfort? Um, yeah. So what I noticed as I was, uh, giving this some specific attention was I really have a resistance to actually being still, like still in my body and in my mind. That uh, my tendency is to deal with discomfort by staying in motion and staying busy. Uh, you know, I have, there are word games that I like to play that can serve as a distraction. Sometimes I pace back and forth to the pantry. Um, 
So I just recognized a need for me to be very deliberate in creating space to be still so that I could allow uncomfortable things to just be instead of trying to get away from them. Uh, mm. But I, I also noticed that when I do that, a lot of personal judgments come out of the woodwork. I just, my mind just goes right there to how I'm not doing this right or not doing this right, or sometimes judgments of other people. Um, so yeah, just kind of created in me a, a bigger awareness of my tendencies there. Oh, well, it reminds me, um, many of you listeners, I'm sure are familiar with a, a writer and speaker by the name of Brene Brown. Um, she's a superb um, woman and, and has just really done some excellent work related specifically to vulnerability, which I will say sitting with discomfort is a very vulnerable choice. It's a vulnerable oh, action. To it, that. it puts you in a position to feel, I mean, obviously you're sitting with something that's uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And, and she has this comment about that. She says, when we stop... Um, taking the edge off. And she means like when we stop allowing ourselves to fight or to flee in different ways, then these those sharp edges come back into our lives, right? So we're not taking the edge off anymore. We're not softening things. Those edges are coming back. But we begin to witness how leaning into the discomfort of vulnerability teaches us how to live with joy, gratitude, and peace. And so oh. that is part of that process. I, when you were talking about your own edges coming back, you know, mm -hmm. the personal judgments coming out of the woodwork, you know, the impulse to get problems fixed right away or whatever it is that happened. Mm -hmm. When we sit with the feeling, we'll, that is the first thing we're going to start to see is those sharp edges. But mm -hmm. as she says, that's, that, that's the path. That's the path to the, the gratitude and the grace and the peace and the joy. Yes, and those are the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. I just love how she made that connection. Uh, and we have a great example from the scriptures about th that, that illustrates that it's in the discomfort that the Lord can start to teach us. Mm -hmm. um, because sitting with discomfort allows for the space we need to learn from the Spirit. If there's something we must do, what it is, when to do it, how to go about it. And this gift of inspiration and insight only comes when we sit with difficult things rather than reacting to them, avoiding or fighting against them. Mm -hmm. but, but it is a process that takes time and discipline. Oh, absolutely. Time and discipline. That's important to know that that is our work in this is to allow right. for that time and to give ourselves a little bit of the discipline to, to just trust the process. If I'm willing to just sit here mm -hmm. and experience this emotion, if I'm willing to let it teach me what is true about everything, myself, the situation, others, that's our work mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into this scripture. The scripture that we're going to use as our example today is in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 9. 
And you'll be familiar with this story. The scribes and the Pharisees brought the Savior a woman who was taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said to him, the Savior, they said, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law has commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, then he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Okay, so what do we see here? We see a couple times where the Savior has allowed discomfort to settle in. And the first Mm -hmm. was when they say to him, you know, she was taken in adultery. Moses commanded us she should be stoned. What is your, what are your thoughts about that? Now, Mm -hmm. they were tempting him. The, The scriptures are clear that they had ulterior motives here. But Jesus stoops down, writes with his finger on the ground as though he hears them not. So what would be the purpose? And there, there are a variety of things that can happen here. But overwhelmingly is the sitting with whatever emotion has been brought to this charged interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by being baited. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe his, his frustration with their ulterior motives, the shame of the woman, the fear that she's experienced of her imminent death. I mean, there's... Mm. There's a lot that can be in this situation. And the Savior's choice in this moment is to just let it be there. Yeah, wow. He did not jump to an immediate reaction. Nope. Nope, he allowed that to sit. So then, you know, what happens when people get uncomfortable? They'll fill it. They'll fill that space. <laughs> so they, then they, yep. start, they start asking him. Okay, well, what, what do you think? What do you think? You know? So yeah. then he lifts himself up and says, He that is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. And then stoops down again and writes on the ground, letting those words mm-hmm. just sit there. Just sit. Okay, he didn't overexplain. He didn't lecture. No. He just expressed something and then once again... They sit, they, all of them, have to be with their discomfort in this moment. And it's interesting that the eldest among them are the first to say, hmm, I wonder if there's some wisdom in this. Or their mm-hmm. anger comes such that they can't, they can't be there, you know, whatever their reasoning is. But it's only after the time as he's writing on the ground and they are waiting that then the action mm-hmm. is taken to leave her there with him to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That 
it seems as though the time sitting with the discomfort of his response allowed them to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And whatever their reasons were, they responded how they needed to. And not only that, left the Savior in a position with to be one-on-one with the woman who who also needed to sit with the discomfort of her situation mm-hmm. and with with what he just taught. Um, but there's something I really, really love that I think is really hopeful in this story. And that's this, that when she sat in the discomfort and allowed the Savior in, she was not condemned. And I think this is huge because I feel in myself as I'm avoiding discomfort and just being with something that might challenge what I'm doing, what I'm bringing, the person that I'm being in this circumstance. Um, Like the biggest threat to me way back in there is that that I'll be condemned that it'll be that bad right condemnation oh mm-hmm. absolutely that's the fear so yep many of us will worry about that that if I allow this then I will mm-hmm. be condemned and there it is right there yeah he, it's not that is a fear that we have but that's not real. That's not how the Savior is in relationship with us. He doesn't condemn us. Right. But he does invite us to sit with discomfort and to see a better way. Well, his silence certainly gave everyone, the woman and himself, a chance to reflect. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And I do find that there is a tendency to not put myself in the position of the person who has things they need to learn. Oh, that's the uncomfortable place. (laughs) So when you're reading a story and you're identifying with the, the characters or the, the actors in the story, yes, you tend not to Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. But I love what this illustrates that becoming like the savior means sitting with difficulty because he modeled it and then he invited it. I I have a personal experience, I think, that can reflect this well. Um, in the recent past, now, I, I have worked very hard for many years in myself to be very careful about things I say about other people when they're not around. I, I, um, hmm. In terms of gossip, in terms of sharing information that's not mine to share, uh, being very aware of that for many years. And I had an experience recently. I was with a friend and we were talking about something and I thought, oh, I've got an experience with this other family that would be, you know, perfect to illustrate this this uh, situation. So I started sharing. Well, I knew these people at one point and this is what happened. Mm. And my friend looks at me and goes, oh, are you talking about so-and-so? 
And I just felt sick. I felt absolutely (laughs) sick because here I was thinking that I was sharing something that she wouldn't have any idea who these people were or the situation. Mm. And she did know. And it did not put them in a good light and therefore did not put me in a good light. Well, Mm. you know, this this is a small example. Um, But I came home from that interaction just thinking to myself and, and, and just, ah, darn, darn, you know, darn. Um, (laughs) It was actually a good point in the day because my kids just happened to not need me right away. There wasn't, um, there wasn't an obvious distraction or someone else's need that I could kind of push it out of my mind with. I came home Um, No one was around, and I just sat on my couch for a moment. I had a strong temptation that, oh, no one's here? I'm just going to read a book. I'm tired. I just want to rest and relax and read a book. Okay, so a way to get my mind thinking about something different. Mm -hmm. But I thought, ah, (laughs) I need to sit with this. (laughs) And I did. So I, I literally sat with it. I sat down. And I just let that feeling, and I had some shame and some disappointment in myself, Mm -hmm. and, oh, I know better than this. And it just kind of came across and sat there for a bit. And then I had a clear thought, I need to apologize. I need to clean that up and make it right. And so I reached back out to my friend, and I owned what had happened, said, this is not the person I want to be, and I don't, I would, you know, I don't want this going out to anyone else, this family mm-hmm. does not deserve my judgment of them to pass beyond here. And my friend was gracious and aware enough to say, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it won't. It won't go beyond this. Um, and also, you know, aware enough to say, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. You know, she didn't, mm. she didn't try and soften it for me. She just was like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was over. And, and I, you know, worked through that sat down again and then within a couple minutes it just kind of left you know in the past I would have stuff like that come up and work at me inside and tear me down and say oh see if I if I hadn't been this person or if I hadn't done this or that but the process of allowing the emotion to come of owning it of doing an immediate repair, you know, what I could do in that moment, allowed at least for that emotional experience to just transition. I was able to learn from it Mm. and to move forward. And it was a great reminder of the commitment that I've made to not do that. And I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm just going to recommit and move forward. But it works for me. It works to just, to just be with it for a bit. And to see where it's really at. And I didn't feel condemned by the Lord. I didn't feel all this anger and disappointment right. from him. <laughs> no. I didn't feel like he was all, Jamie, my goodness. Like, really? <laughs> right. You no, know, it was just, oh, okay, we had a trip up. Let's work on it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that story. Um. And one of the things that it really brings out for me, too, is that it's going to be imperative that I take specific uninterrupted time to be still. 
you know, possibly in the same way that I take specific time to read scriptures or to pray, or at least incorporate more stillness into those activities so that I can open my life up to more of that guidance from the Spirit. Because that's when it comes. It comes in the stillness. And, and what this is suggesting here can be really hard or almost overwhelming if we have a lot of emotional turmoil inside that has not been sat with or has not been dealt mm. with in a real way. And, and I will just put a quick caveat here. If there is a lot inside you and, there, and just even the thought of having to sit with any of that feels like it could just burst um, hmm. a, an emotional mountain here that you would not be able to contain, that's when it's helpful to have some professional support, if possible. Ooh, At yeah. minimum, a good hmm. friend, somebody to help guide through that process yep. once you do start sitting with it. So just kind of keep that in mind. But the, the process of doing it as it comes, as it comes, will will allow it to move through us better and more effectively mm-hmm. over time. And this, this can be, this can take a lot of time to work through, but it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It is worth doing. Because. It's worth doing. Because it's in the discomfort that the Lord can teach us and heal us mm-hmm. and begin the repair. Mm-hmm. And I do trust that when we show up willing like that, he will. He'll teach us Mm -hmm. and show us a better way, make us better people. Yep. Um, So we are going to highlight two principles of mindfulness that can magnify our efforts as we try to practice sitting with discomfort. And some of this wisdom comes from John Kabat-Zinn, who is the developer of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program and uh, a practicer of Zen Buddhism uh, for many, many years. Uh, And one of the principles that he identifies of, of attitudes to bring to being still is non judging that we can do that intentionally. Uh, that I think we all are just familiar with the judging mind. It's the water we're swimming in. And, and that comes from an honest place. It serves, as an, uh, it serves an important purpose. Uh, we, we need to be able to make quick judgments that help us navigate physical and emotional safety, uh, we need to be able to make judgments that help us make simple choices so we're not all bogged down in insignificant details. We need to be able to judge between things that feel good and right and things that don't feel right. Mm-hmm. But if we're not careful, that internal judge can run awry. And that's when we get caught up in the business of judging somebody else's choices or the worthiness of issues that have nothing to do with us or just judging ourselves. Um, and so when we take a closer look, we might see that we have heads full of automatic and unexamined ideas and opinions about almost anything. Mm. Yeah, but judgment comes from that need to know everything, you know, Mm. that, that desire to, to have, you know, a certain level of 
control of our, our environment and, and our situation. Um, sure. But we can settle into that reality that we can't know everything or even most things. And we don't, when we don't have to immediately know everything, we can be, start to be open to see with fresh eyes. I don't have to, I don't have to control this. I don't have to grip it. I can, right. I can just let it come, come and go. Right. So yeah, we don't, we don't need to judge. And if we're going to practice sitting with discomfort, we can come with an intention to not judge, not ourselves, not anything that comes up. Uh, and we can practice letting go the push to decide the goodness or badness of everything. We, and we can even put aside our judging of our judging. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, all the layers, right? Because right? when yeah. judgmental ideas come, then we're like, oh, I shouldn't be so judgmental. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, well, Jody, would you talk a little bit more before we go on about this? How how can we really get out from under that judgmental voice in our head? And if you have more maybe mm. practical suggestions, because it's so beautiful to say, just stop judging in your head. Yeah. What does yeah, that even right. mean? And how can we do it? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And... And I think maybe a simple example might be helpful that when, when you practice sitting with discomfort, you can just treat every thought and emotion that comes up like a cloud that passes in the sky. And you don't have to reach out and latch on to the cloud and chew on it and mess with it. You can just let it come by. And if, if that cloud is a judgment of yourself, you can just identify it. Yep, there's that thought. There's some judgment and let it go and not hold on to it. It's, um, in some ways, it's a practice of non-striving. Not non-grasping. Like it's really a practice of just letting something pass by like a wave, like a wave on the sand that it will come and then it will go. And so we can just start allowing things to come and go and not hold on to them. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's, those are maybe some simple ways to think about it. That's excellent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because sometimes when we're talking about some of these bigger or more esoterical ideas, it just helps to kind of ground it in some practical application, even if we don't understand all the hows, how it works, or or why it does, to just, mm-hmm. again, trust the process, try it out, just sitting with emotion, yeah. letting thoughts pass, can be helpful to us in our day-to-day application. Mm-hmm. Well, and the second principle we're going to bring up uh, piggybacks on that, Jamie, and that is bringing an attitude of curiosity to sitting with discomfort because that can shift the focus from, from the judging and defensive mind to openness because oftentimes... When there is something that we don't understand, we, 
we might shrink from discovering more about it. But genuine curiosity, without judgment, without the pressure to change someone or something, but with the intent to understand, that this invites the spirit. And, and you end up where all are edified. Uh, and like the scripture in D&C 50.22 says, He that preacheth and he that receiveth understand one another, and both are edified and rejoice together. And we get to that place with curiosity, just wondering where somebody's coming from or wondering what a feeling of discomfort is, has to reveal to us. And that, is, that can be as simple as just asking, what's here? What's here in this discomfort? Huh. I like that. I like that. A simple way. What is mm-hmm. here? Because it's, there's definitely a tendency to fall into the trap of winning and losing. But if everyone is, mm-hmm. is open-minded, or even if we are, we kind of stop the cycle. And we start seeing others as real. And it magnifies everyone's humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, theirs and ours. Oh, I like that, Jody. Thank you. Well, this allows us, when we take our place at the table to become part of creating that climate at the table. Because mm-hmm. this ability to, to bring curiosity instead of judgment allows us to make room for others' experiences. We, you know, we talk about how easy it is to believe that our view, you know, that our meaning is the only possible meaning. But as we know, this is just far too narrow. If someone else mm-hmm. has suffered, it doesn't diminish my suffering. You know, we don't have to compare or compete. We don't have to feel threatened or judged by someone else's experience. We can sit with someone else's suffering. Mm-hmm. And with our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, because the focus of this podcast is that everybody belongs at the table yeah and this is not unconditional no boundaries definitely matter it's a bad behavior is not acceptable but but we want everybody to be able to show up at the table and participate fully with respect and all in an effort to maintain everybody's dignity we want everybody to have a space absolutely So to sum up our discussion today, as our discomfort calls upon each of us to see other people as real, may we have the courage to sit with it so it can lead us to deeper understanding and that may we respond, all of us, to that call in inspired ways. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, we ask that you'll subscribe to be notified when we post a new episode. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, and any other places where you listen to podcasts. Or you can go directly to our website, which is yourplaceatthetable.net. Please share us with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram, on Facebook, or yourplaceatthetablepodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to next time and hope you'll be there with us.